0: Bees Radio Network. Live coverage of Bees home games. Their podcast. Their podcast. Their podcast. Well hello again hockey fans and welcome along to the Bees Radio Network podcast. It's episode number 13. It's unlucky for some but lucky for me Mark Denham is joining me again this week. Mark how are we?
1: I'm well thank you Graham. How are
0: you? I'm very good indeed and for us this is a slightly weird one. We're actually recording it slightly earlier in the week not to uh, give away the mystique of the podcast but we're actually sat here on the Monday night. We're less than 24 hours away from the, uh, the game that took place at the Hive on Sunday night as the Bees bounce back following a very disappointing performance. I think it's fair to say on the road in Milton Keynes the night before. Yes, it's a fifth defeat in the row, but I think that it, you can almost qualify it as a moral victory for the Bees despite the 3-2 defeat on the scoreline because you can't fault the effort and you can't fault the determination to come away with some points from that game.
1: I've even seen some of the Bison fans on Facebook agree that the Bees were the better team on the night. So I think, you know, Saturday Saturday's another one that we'd want to forget. But what I will say is when you look at the players Milton Keynes have got now, it's, you know, it's crazy. Some of the talent they've got, Liam Stewart signing on as well. And yep, Saturday is one that we'd want to forget. But what impressed me most is... Fifth defeat in a row is how it ended, but it wasn't played as a defeat by any stretch of the imagination. Following Saturday, it would have been so easy for the guys to come out with their heads down and it would have been so easy for that horrible 9-2 scoreline against the Bison to have come back again. But it didn't. There was never, ever an inch given. And it was, you know, it was a great performance, I thought, all round last night, you know. Um, Yes, we did say on the stream last night to anybody that was listening, you know, I'm not going to say that we were perfect. We did call out some errors, both of us, on the stream last night. And those will need to go if we're going to be successful. But all in all, it was a great team performance. A never-say-die attitude. Even when going down at the start of the third period, down a goal, the Bees battled and battled and battled right till the end where, you know, perhaps after Saturday it would have been easy to see, the heads drop and the scoreline run away and that lead build. I thought Saturday was a disappointing performance all round, but I think in return Sunday is probably one of the best performances we've seen out of this bees team so far this season.
0: Yeah, I agree with you on that. I think it was a very the overall performance was extremely impressive uh, Sunday night. It's just those errors and uh, with, there's quite a few f- across the team unfortunately and uh, the trouble is Some of those errors are big enough errors that it is costing a goal or it is costing a change in momentum. And that's the bit that sort of killed them this weekend. I mean, first period we came out flying. It was all intensity. It was all passion. It was all effort and no goals to show on the board. But a real marker was laid. And I did say I did think that the Bison would try and change the play. They weren't quite as fluid as we're used to seeing from those teams. Uh, And they changed it up a bit the bees found themselves on the back foot for a good five minutes at the start of the second period, really having to adjust on the fly showed that they could do that guys like Louis Colvin, I think had one of his best games in the uh, black, white and gold because he really just buzzed about the ice. He played the simple plays, which is sometimes all you need to do in those situations. And we spoke about it last week on the podcast. James Glatz, did exactly that again, just playing the simple hockey, digging themselves out of trouble. And it was the a couple of occasions where they found themselves in trouble and they weren't able to get out of trouble that caused the bees their problems in this game, sadly. And But it, that takes nothing away from what happened going forward. Another day, the bounce of the puck sees about two of those goals that were quite decent saves in the end from Dan Weller-Evans. They will find the back of the net and... The creation was there. The, the 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 creation of opportunities were there against what is quite a decent team in that Bison team. It's quite funny. And I look back at the podcast we did at the start of the season, previewing what we said about that team. And I said they've got no chance. They're not they're not going to be as hot as they were last year. They've all got they all had points to prove last year. This year they've got nothing to prove. It's a weird thing to say. One of their most improved players in my eyes from last season is Ashley Tate. He played a very smart game last night, where I think he struggled to adapt to the league at the start of it. But apart, but as part from from that, someone like Liam Morris, a massive hothead last season, much more cooler, much more composed, much more calm in defence. Give the Bison their credit; they're a good little team. And as I say, I think that's where we can really set the stool of where this bees team is. It's and this is the f- and we go back to it all the time. Yeah, we've had two blowouts that nine two, the seven two, and MK. Apart from that, it's been fairly tight matches. It's been fairly battles and going on. It's just been the odd goal a lot of the time and. It stings right now to be hitting these defeats and it feels like to some people it's a rut and I think some people coming into the building on Saturday were just going to assume, oh, it's the end of the world. There's nothing to do here. We just might as well write it off. Sunday's performance proved that, okay, we're battling. We're in there. We're a good competitive team. And if those bounces start going the right way, There's no reason not to believe that there might be a good run in the playoffs to come at the end of the year. If everything clicks together with the likes of Josh Smith back in the lineup, uh, James Galazzi getting fully fit again. There's no reason not to believe that just those one or two changes that could be made to this team will make all the difference.
1: Well, do you know what? I want to credit James Galazzi for his game last night because he's still working his way back up to full fitness. He's only been back for uh, a couple of weekends now. But just the way he played last night, he played a real in-your-face game, but it wasn't the sort of game where you're going to pick up silly penalties. He played in-your-face hockey. And just that interaction with Michael Kleiner that took the two of them out of the game, that's a real clever play. And that shows what we spoke about last week, the experience that James Galazzi has and the knowledge of the game. If I can get in this guy's face, then I can take him out And that leaves the Bison unable to ice an import for the time we both sit out. Clever from James Galazzi. Both of them sat out two minutes. So it's four on four. A goal goes in for the Bees in that four on four. And because it's not a power play, that opportunity to play against an importless Bison continues until the end of the two minutes. And I thought that was a real clever, clever play by James Galazzi last night. Because he knows the game. We've mentioned this. He knows the game inside out. He's been around it long enough now. And just the way he played last night, I thought, you know, he was in their faces. He was at them all the time. And that, you know, that, taking out of Michael Kleiner for two minutes I thought was a brilliant brilliant play by James Galazzi
0: yeah indeed and it's quite funny we're gonna we're gonna go on and talk about the officials in a minute both of them picking up two minute misconducts not something you see very often in a game no. of hockey but it was a two minute misconduct both ways and that was again because of the trailing official and it's quite funny because I think that's an example of where the four-man system really works for, for those of you who didn't see it because you might have chased the puck but I'm sure you're all following it with your eyes James Galazzi and Kleiner started jawing and joring and joring and it went all the way up the ice all the way around the ice and in the old days there's a good chance at that moment you would have seen sticks in the cross checks you would have seen slashes across the legs you would have seen gloves in the faces and all that because the trailing official had stepped in and was basically in their faces telling them shut it shut it don't do anything stupid neither of them actually were able to do anything um, and it's quite that to me is an example of where that format that could have escalated into a situation where you're handing out two plus twos, maybe matches for fighting, incitement, etc. All that stuff. In the end, you just get a two minute penalty on each side. Coincidental minors on the clock. That's where the fourth official in that system of the trailing man really works but it's something of a trend that we're noticing a lot more at the moment is it is that trailing official who is picking up the calls there was the uh, what was it It was a checking from a hind call on aiden dowdy in the end which i think actually got called for boarding but from our angle And at the angle that one of the officials had, it looked more like checking from behind, but the official was happy that it wasn't checking from behind. But it was the trailing official in Severuk who instantly went, yep, that's a boarding call. And he's hitting that arm up in the air from the opposite end of the ice. And the number of times you see that happen at the moment is the official who's on the incident isn't making the call, but the training man is, is I can't work out if it's a good thing or a bad thing. It's somewhere in the middle for me, I think. There's too much of an overcall coming from the trailing official, but it is cleaning up the game and it is letting the players know there is another set of eyes that is watching what's going on on the ice.
1: I remember a game that was done in Slough when the four-man official, when the four-official system first started. I remember Dave Cloutman was paired with Matt Thompson. I think we can agree that those are two fantastic officials. And virtually every call... Both their arms went up and you could see this was two officials working in sync, two officials at the very top of their game. But as you say, a lot of the bigger calls, like the the Aidan Doughty call, the -the on-the-play official was staring at the play and called nothing. But it was referee Sevrach, who was yards behind the play, who thought, no, no, I'll have that. And his arm went up straight away. And at no point in time was there a signal from referee Hans that he felt that there was a penalty. Now, as you say, the the intervention of the fourth training official who can follow down plays like Galazzi and Kleiner just, you know, mouthing off at each other and like, shut up, shut up, shut up. I do wonder, actually, going back to Clout, you know, like a an Uncle Dave, shut it. Would probably have stopped that a lot sooner, wouldn't it? In all fairness, those
0: those two weren't stopping. I think it was a a little bit an Uncle Dave interaction
1: there. An (laughs) Uncle Dave interaction. Just the look and the firm tone could have made the difference. But it was the trading official in that case who could follow that down. And then, as you say, it got diffused. Well, it didn't really get diffused, did it? Because they still went at each other in the penalty box. They came back out again, and they still had words. But it you know, it stopped it from escalating into one or both of the players receiving a major penalty. But in terms of the on-the-play penalties, I'm not quite sure the allocation of duties here because we've seen yeah. it not just on Sunday. We've seen it a lot at the Hive this season where calls are being made by the man who's watching the play from a distance. Now, some of them, both officials, the arms go up and the penalty is called, and that's fair enough. You can kind of agree with that because both of them see the same thing and then players whistled down and the penalty is awarded. But what we're seeing a lot of is the trailing man calling something that the the on-the-play man is not even interested in, despite actually being right on the play and watching it. I mean, we've all said, haven't we, over the years with a three-man system, we've all said, oh, that was definitely a penalty, but the referee's following the play, as as he should be. But now what we're seeing is the referee following the play is not calling penalties that are actually related to the play because there's always going to be something like the Galazzi-Kleiner incident that was way behind the play. One official probably wouldn't have seen that because they were down at the other end of the ice while Galazzi and Kleiner were making their way down. That would have been out of their sight because they were rightly watching the active play. But here what we're seeing is like plays like the Aiden Doughty penalty and that was right in front of referee hands who indicated nothing. He didn't see anything wrong I, yep. with what was going on. But referee Sevrak, on the other hand, from a distance, did and had it. And, you know, I guess perhaps as supporters, they'd perhaps like to know um, who's calling what, whose responsibility it is to call what. I guess players and coaches probably would like that explained to them as well. Because I think a good referee, the same as in any sport, a good referee, a good umpire, whatever your sport, should generally go unnoticed shouldn't they yep. you know they should kind of blend in and they should go unnoticed and we've seen i'm not going to mention any names but we've seen over the years at all sorts of levels in this country we've seen officials who have come in and left as the the star of the show yeah. and that's that's not how it should be i mean like you know i'm sure you've heard of it as well where officials have requested security to escort them out because they yes. ended up you know the lead the lead character On the ice that night and that's not how it should be. But, you know, I think it's great that we have four officials because it does clean the game up a lot more. But we need to know really like who's calling what and how come the trailing man is calling something that's literally, I mean, at that point in time, it was what, 10 yards from referee hands who called nothing and
0: yet it was probably 20, 25 yards from referee Sevrock who called it. Yeah, it's a curious one, isn't it? I'm sure I'm, if Uncle Dave ever sets foot into Bracknell, I'm sure we'll grab a word with him and try and get him to help explain some of this to us. Because there probably is a method in in what is seemingly madness within it all. You talk about those officials that made themselves star of the show. In, in a previous life, I once put the referee as a, the pitcher centrefold in the middle of the programme because they've made <laughs> themselves such a name the week before. Uh, that referee is now in charge of the uh, ice hockey. UK officials. So uh, yeah, that one uh, probably is a bit of a, a bite. Did on that the back referee
1: side. attend the signing table though, at the end of the Did, game?
0: Uh, that referee got taken off the game, so it looked quite weird that we had in the middle of the programme <laughs> a poster <laughs> for the referee we told would be doing the game on Sunday, but got taken off the game. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, quite one of those unique moments, one that we sort of regret with a little bit of a uh, passing my mind. I, I blame a certain uh, fifty-one, sorry, uh, f- thirty-seven, isn't he these days? 37, Thirty seven right. yeah, thirty-seven cannot. Older uh, Canadian. Was that, that the one.
1: incident with the puck through the net?
0: Was it that that one? Yeah, that one. Um, but just curiously, like we, we it's funny because we're talking about this four officials and being able to pick up everything, obviously, at the very end of the game, there was an incident involving Ollie Stone, who was uh, laid out on the ice, and plenty of claret there, happy to say that Ollie got up was off the ice, and at the end of the game, yeah, it didn't look too pretty when he was talking to some of the fans, but at least he was up, and he didn't seem to be uh, too badly injured, and we obviously wish him well in his recovery. But the incident occurred. four officials on the ice. There's no decision on the game sheet. The two referees came round to the dressing room at the end of the game and have announced they'll be putting in for supplementary. Quite what they're putting in for supplementary, I'm not sure because obviously they'll refer to the videotape and see what the penalty yeah. actually is. So they obviously want to clean up the incident themselves, and and I can understand that and respect that. But at the end of the day, there's eight pairs of eyes on the incident, and no one's picked it up. Well, and that's, that's, that's a little a bit of a
1: worry, isn't it? You know, when we've just, you know, we've just said the, the you know, virtues of the four-man system in that it cleans the game up a lot less gets led away with. But then you have eight eyes. Now, it's not up to the linesman to call penalties, but the referee can consult the linesman and say, what did you see in assessing their call? If between all eight eyes they've seen nothing, then that's a little bit of a worry. I mean, I know there was like a frenzy in front of the net and there were a lot of players, there were a lot of sticks, and we don't know. That's the thing. We don't know. Certainly from our angle, we have no idea whose stick it was who caught uh, the injured bison player. And, you know, maybe the video will resolve that as well. But the one thing I think is, you know, you have eight eyes watching a game and you call nothing. Game sheet signed off, game completed, no penalty at the end. And you then say, but we will put it in for supplementary discipline. Well, it can't go for supplementary discipline. It's just going for discipline because there is no discipline to supplement at this point in time. But to have eight eyes see not enough to call it. Now, I know, obviously, straight away at the end of the game, Tony Redmond and Ashley Tate were both talking to the referees. And there's going to be a lot of pressure because there was a lot of... I mean, we saw a lot of blood on the ice, didn't we, without making this podcast gory. (laughs) There was a lot of blood on the ice um, and there's going to be pressure to make a call, but the way I saw it was the player at the time was on the ice as well. Now, in a frenzy there where you 've got players battling for the puck, you 've got a goaltender battling for the puck as well. You know, being down on the ice is a dangerous place to be, and unfortunately, out of the four eyes with the armbands and the two eye you know the two other sets of two eyes without the armbands. They've not seen enough to make a call. And that is, I think, a little bit worrying because then how many officials do you need on the ice before (laughs) you can tidy things up like this? We're not in a position where I know certainly in the Elite League, some of the decisions go to video replay. We're not in a position to have that because let's be honest, we film Bees TV on a camera with a tiny screen. You can't review it. You can't like send, you know, quick stop. Send the cameraman downstairs and show that to the officials. It's not good enough quality to make calls of that nature on. But, you know, again, you've got eight officials, uh, four officials on the ice, eight eyes, Surely someone must have seen something.
0: Yeah, and I think that's the point. So we'll have to we'll stop right there on that point, just in case there's a any does come to any more in, incidents, and we'll see if supplementary is able to drag anything out. Because obviously, for the bees, hopefully, there's going to be no suspensions being handed down for an incident. That obviously, if it is, a, if it, if the final decision, it's a high stick for blood then that is a match penalty. Ollie Stone had no opportunity to re-enter the ice because the game was over, so that match penalty will incur a one-game ban ahead of the game against the uh, whole Pirates this weekend. No, I called it a match penalty, not a five-plus match like you yes, me that. for. Yes, I I did berate you for that yesterday. You Do you absolutely- know what? It
1: does, I must say, you know, it does annoy me because a five-plus <laughs> game is a penalty, but a five-plus match would result... In a 10 minute power play because the match comes with the automatic five. So yes, I did berate you for that yesterday.
0: One of the Um, many things you berate me for on commentary. But then I would like to thank
1: you as well though.
0: (laughs) I would like to thank you as well, Mark, because uh, obviously at the end of the game, now we're talking about slightly unsavory scenes. uh, And this is of a different variety. Um, there's obviously been a bit of consternation across social media and across uh, the hockey forum and such like for those of you still go on there a lot of talk about the uh, booing incident that occurred at the end of the game it's something um, there's a time and a place for booing uh, uh, which is a really weird thing to say and I know there'll be people instantly straight away saying to me you can't do that Um, there is a time and a place for booing because it's all a little bit of the pantomime I can remember always in the old days there used to be the little bit of the pantomime that went along with the game but it happened in the game or it happened around an incident it didn't happen in the man of the match beers as a man skates up to get the man of the match in the game he's played very well which was mm-hmm. roman malinick where a and i'm going to be very correct with my wording here a small minority of the bison fan base booed roman malinick as he skated up and called him a reject um and that's the moment where it crosses the line for me and it's quite funny seeing that you're hearing fans go, "No one was booing," and then they get told told about this incident, and they go, "Well, yeah, that's out of line, actually, isn't it?" Um, yeah. There's a time and a place. Man of the matches is, is a slightly sacred part of the game, um, even though you may disagree with the man of the match decision or, or whatever. It is still a, it's still a sacred part of the game. It's mm. it's, it, it's a it's a respected part of the game. And that is not the place to be booing a player. That is not the place to be doing any of that situation. And there's been, by all means in the game, you can do it as a little bit of a pantomime, like come on, Nicky Chin used to get booed for his career. It basically followed him by the end of his career. Um, there's a time and a place for it, and I just think the man of the match presentation's completely the wrong place to be booing a player following an outstanding game of hockey.
1: Do you know what I feel for Roman? Because Roman was uh, Roman came first to this country with the Manchester Phoenix, was brought back by Doug Shepherd to the Basingstoke Bison, and I think you know it's fair to say when you look at Roman, what Roman contributed towards that Basingstoke Bison, that all-conquering season owes a lot to Roman Malinick. Now, Roman decided that he would follow Doug to the Bracknell Bees, and I think Roman has been outstanding all season so far this season. And I think it's horrendous that, you know, a minority of fans who probably, like, you know, you and I both have spent time with the Basingstoke Bison, and I recognise a lot of the people as I walked around last night, I recognised a lot of the people, said hello to a lot of people, but those that seem to be booing, I think, you know what? I don't ever remember them. Genuinely don't remember them. And I think it's just sad, you know, like obviously those that are have been Bison fans for a long time initially denied it and then said, oh no, well, that's out of order when it was said that it did happen. And that's the way it should be. Because whether Roman Malinick is a B or, you know, wherever he came from beforehand, being that Basingstoke or not. You are judging Roman Malenik on the performance he put in over the 60 minutes. And he deserved that man of the match. You know, performances like that. And I've said it before, you know, like on the the Swindon game, the Aaron Nell one-timer that won that game in overtime. He's not one of ours, but I said it was a great play. It was a great goal. The same at the end of the game. As you say, there is a bit of a sacredness, isn't there, to the man of the match. And you just say, you know, like you may not agree with the decision, but I think last night you couldn't disagree with Roman for the award. You know, both teams clap the opposition. We didn't boo the Bison man of the match when that was announced. But equally, you don't expect the man of the match for the home team to be booed by a tiny minority of the, the away fans. And do you know what? Um, there are a lot of Bison fans who are very, very interested in what we do our results, <laughs> our social media. And, you know, I can understand. Obviously, there was um, there was a bit of an upset last summer. Doug Shepard left the Bison and joined the Bees, and a, a number of players asked to come with Doug, and he said yes to the majority of those players, okay? So I can understand why last year there was a, a really intense rivalry. But let's be honest. The Bison went on, and they had a successful season last year, okay? Why can't we put that to bed now and just have the normal rivalry between two local teams like Slough and Bracknell used to have, like Slough and Guildford, like Bracknell and Basingstoke, like Bracknell and Guildford. Why can't we just have that normal rivalry and why does it still all have to be on a knife edge, you know, and it gets to a point where a tiny minority who, let's be honest, were probably only told, yeah, Roman Malenik used to play for us and didn't actually know that, where they're then booing the man of the match for the home team. That was a a low point of what I think was a fantastic night last night. You know, three great periods of hockey, uh, well played, well coached, well supported. Until that moment, I think that was a real low point of what was otherwise a fantastic night of hockey.
0: Yeah indeed. I think I think we've spoken about that enough now. I think I like as you say it's a low point. We've probably given it far too much airtime, but it was important for us to I feel to to pick up on it from the weekend because it, as you say it leaves a little bit of a bit of taste in the mouth, but we 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 have to start looking forward now. We have to start looking to the future, and, and as much as we're recording this on uh, Monday night, uh, we have a little bit of breaking news that probably would have broken by the time that uh, <laughs> you'll be listening to this podcast, and But well, it that- will
1: because I'm holding it until the news is broken. <laughs> <laughs>
0: see we know this so we can tell you right now that obviously Josh Ely Newman has uh, agreed to join the Bees for the rest of the season stepping up uh, as is a really good way and I think it's an excellent uh, press release and and a quote that's been put together by Doug Shepherd on this uh, showing Doug's passion for what he wants to try and do here in Bracknell and and we've seen that all the way through from Zach Milton last season being earmarked as a player who can make an impact at an NIHL level and congratulations obviously to Zach fully deserved GB under 20 call up after the trials the other week as well really impressive as that really showing his pathway forward in the game which obviously had the elite league time you've then seen the likes of Will Stead and Luke Jackson coming up training full time with the bees and now getting ice time on a Regular basis with the Bees as well and really learning their game. And now you get Josh Ely Newman coming up as well. So he becomes the next guy who's going to come up and step up and and take an opportunity to play for this Bees team. And then you've got these two youngsters in Calimba and Casey Wilson who are stepping up from the under-18s to come up and and train up with the Bees as well during the week on that accelerated pathway. This is exactly what you need to do if you're going to build a good hockey team club and a good hockey system it's about getting those players who are talented earmarking them pushing them forward giving them the training at the highest level and getting them to play at the best level they can to develop their play and hopefully build a nucleus and you only have to look around this league look at swindon look at peterborough look at sheffield if you can achieve what those three teams have done in building a core nucleus of good players and some will obviously disappear up the system as well because that is the ultimate aim you want the you want young players to develop to be the best they can be and if the best they can be means they have to move on to the elite league or another country they go with our blessing in order to go and do so But it's all about building that great nucleus and it's kind of having to do a little bit of the work that should have been done previously here in Bracknell. I think I'm not speaking out of turn in saying that, in getting these kids to get actually through the system up into playing in the B's so that they're ready for the best hockey that they can play in the John Knight Leisure Sport Complex.
1: Do you know what? Before I I say what I was going to say, there's just a couple of things that I wanting to pick up on. Now, I think you're spot on right. Swindon, Peterborough show exactly what the benefit of a good youth system is because they have a a good nucleus of players and they can integrate these upcoming talented players into that. And then they will then become the good established players and the next wave will come up. And that's brilliant. We've seen over the years, other clubs try and do it differently And we've seen what became known as checkbook hockey, seven imports in a four-import league. But not only that, you know, I think it's fair to say that at a time, a certain club not so far away from us, their juniors had to go elsewhere in order to get ice time to then eventually maybe be able to go back to their home club. And I think that what we're seeing now is Zach Milton called up to the GB under 20s Last year, he came in as a raw, talented player. Doug has worked with him, and we're seeing now the rewards. He's getting regular shifts with the Bees. He's been called up to play international hockey and represent his country. Well done, Zach. We're seeing Will Stead, who came in very raw at the start of this season, and we're now seeing him settling, playing good hockey. And Josh Ely Newman is about to become the next one. You know, that's not including, obviously, Luke Jackson, who's made some appearances as well this year. But Josh Ely Newman's going to step up full-time. And he will bring a lot of talent with him. We saw him earlier in the season. A lot of talent, a lot of energy. He's a player that will listen to to Doug. And you just need to look at players like Zach and like Will to see if you listen to Doug, then he will guide you along the right way. And it's up to you what you do with your own talent and the knowledge and guidance that Doug gives you. If you put them together then, yeah, you could be going up a league and you could be playing in the elite league and maybe one day even going on to represent GB at a senior level. But it's identifying, and this is something Doug has always been very good at, identifying young, talented players that he can work with, that he knows will listen to what he's going to say and that he knows one day he may then be waving bye-bye to because they have stepped up a level. Now, that's one thing, I mean... As a fan of the Bracknell Bees, you're going to think, well, that's annoying. You know, we've developed Zach Milton and off he goes. We've developed uh, Will Stead and off he goes. We've developed Josh Ely Newman and off he goes. Should all three then go on? You're going to think, well, that's annoying. But the thing with Doug is, Doug wants his team, the Bracknell Bees, to be as successful as they can, but never ever will Doug stand in a player's way if somebody comes calling You know, like we saw it uh, in Basingstoke when Kieran Long got the call up to the Elite League. That's a player Doug would love to have retained in his Bison squad. But he said, no, go with my blessing. Go on, do your best. And we've seen how well Kieran has gone on to play. And the same thing could very well end up happening here in Bracknell with uh, Zach, with Josh and with others as well. It could very well happen. And while Doug wants his team to be successful, he also wants to give players the opportunity to be as, se- uh, as successful, <laughs> I can't even speak now, as they can be. And we've seen, and you know, I'm not going to name names here, we've seen other coaches in the past who stood in the way yeah, or who have discouraged players from going on because of the fact that they think, oh, well, how am I going to replace them? It doesn't yeah. matter. If you've got, and we're seeing Doug doing this now with this pathway, If you've got players that you are identifying and keeping an eye on, when the time comes that one of your players goes up to the Elite League, yes, that's a huge gap. But you've got the next wave of players ready to come train with you and come play with you on maybe a two-way or even if they're really good to get signed up. And that's how it should be.
0: Yeah, exactly. And you you mentioned there, Kieran Long, you can also add to that list, Zach Sullivan. You can also add to that list, Declan Barmer. Like players that came in, developed their game and got the opportunity to step on. And now (laughs) Zach and Declan are very key parts of what the Manchester Storm are doing on their defence. So it's not... And, and there are other players as well, like the other player, Aaron Connolly, was a young player under Doug who stayed with him throughout his time at clubs. And he's now developed into one of the leading players in the NIHL National, a great leader on the ice. Someone like Stuart Mogg is another good example of this, actually. Stuart Mogg was a, a forward who was getting a little bit of ice time, getting a little bit here and there. Doug said to him, hey come on then, how about you step back into D because we can really use your skills. And you've seen Stuart develop as a player and now really step it on uh, as the captain here at the Bees. And it's all of those things that goes, well, there's the proof in the pudding. There's what there's what the end goal is. And, and I hope every kid in the junior system here at the Bees, their ambition is to don the white, black and gold and play for the Bracknell Bees, their hometown team that's their minimum ambition i'd like to think i'd like to think all of them have got ambitions that they might be able to go into the elite league or they might be able to go and have a career in in a different country and and have those opportunities you want to see that and and as a result you kind of have to say well here is the pathway here is your opportunity to step up and play at this level but it's not just play And i want to be very clear on this there will be players who'll come in and will will play and it just doesn't work out and for whatever reason they just it just doesn't work out but what they'll then take away with them is that professionalism they'll take away the ability to be able to train to look after their bodies to get themselves in the right mentality to play the game to get themselves in focus and all of that will help these players not just in their hockey careers it's also going to help them in their lives as well it's going to help them to succeed off the ice as well as on the ice is a big is a fantastic book written by uh, a guy called uh, mike smith who was the former head coach of the atlanta falcons he's been a defensive coach in the nfl he's he's currently without a job because it hasn't gone well in his last job and he wrote this book alongside a guy called john gordon who's a fantastic motivational speaker and they talk everything about you win in the locker room first and basically it's the seven c's as in the letter c of success and it's all about change culture etc and you It's an amazing book. I recommend if you get the opportunity to read it, go read it because it's a fantastic little read. And that's what this is all about. It's all about giving those players all these tools, not only to succeed on the ice and not only to succeed for the bees or wherever else they go in their careers, but also to succeed off the ice in their careers.
1: Yeah. I mean, you know, you can look at a lot of things, can't you? A lot of things prepare you when you go through school. They prepare you for life. Now, I'm going to be honest. Like I am a fully grown adult. I've never used half of the skills that I learned at school. I've never spoken a word of a foreign language since I left school, never solved a quadratic equation since I left school. But it's all about preparing you and giving you the skills you need. And certainly at school, it's about nurturing, isn't it? Nurturing the ability to learn and to process information. Some of it you may find you never ever use again in the rest of your life. And it's the same in whatever sport you play. You learn discipline, you learn self-discipline, you learn how to look after yourself and you learn, you know, mentally how to approach things. And it worries me a little bit because if you look at, say, sport in schools in this day and age, it's played that everyone, everyone's a winner by taking part. And I'm sorry, but that is nonsense. It is rubbish and it doesn't set you up for life, Because when you get out there in the big bad world, there's no price for just taking part. If you go to a job interview and you turn up looking scruffy as anything and, you know, wearing like two day old dirty clothes and you say, well, I've turned up, then, you know, that will um, that will, you know, reflect or through your life. So here we are, and this is all about you know what Doug Shepard can do to make these guys the best hockey players they can be, the best athletes they can be, to get them in top physical condition, but also to get them ready mentally and give them transferable skills because a hockey career is going to be very, very short in the overall lifespan. You know, you're going to play maybe until your mid-30s if you're lucky and you stay injury-free. You've still then got years and years and years after that. And everything that Doug is teaching, everyone that passes through under his leadership, they can then take on and use parallel to their hockey career and post their hockey career as well to better their lives
0: indeed so we're looking forward to Josh joining the bees it's going to be uh, great to see him out on the ice for the side and hopefully he'll be the next in the long line of many other players who will be uh, will be joining up with the club and hopefully first of many that continue the long path of those who've gone on to achieve international call-ups the likes of Danny Myers obviously going back in time Sam Oakford coming close previously as well uh, Greg Owen obviously took time as a youngster here as well um, and the likes of Mark Richardson God the list is endless from all those years ago maybe it's time we uh, Put a few more names on from the modern era, and hopefully, that's what we're going to be getting into. And of course, the pathway to success continues hopefully this Sunday when we welcome the whole Pirates to the Hive. Um, I think this is the first time the whole Pirates would have ever played at the Hive, um, and it's also the first time a Hole would have played here since they were the Stingrays. Oh, no, sorry, they would have played at the Pirates in the EPIHL. Don't know what I'm talking about. I'm, I have. In those bright green jerseys. How could you have forgotten that? Well, what happened was I I went to watch a Bees game many years ago. It was the only year when the Bees and the Stingrays were both in the EPIHL. Uh, And it was a midweek game. I want to say it was a playoff game as well. And uh, the game finished three apiece. And it was a Rick Strachan special and instantly some fans who hear me say the words Rick Strachan are already coming out in cold shakes, already going to hide under the tables. Rick Strachan played the most trappiest game of hockey on the road. It was dull as dishwater. His side would go up one or two goals. And if you think the Peterborough Phantoms are good at shutting down a game, Rick Strachan's Hull Stingrays were something else. They just sucked the life out of the game. And the Bees somehow in that game managed to secure it as a three-all draw. It was like By the end, it was just comical. The Bees were having about three or four chances of each attack and they were able to turn it away. I think this was even in the days when Hull had Pazzy Reitonen in goal, for example, just to give you how far this one's going There's back. There's a
1: blast in the past. <laughs> yeah,
0: indeed. And they would just sit and defend and defend and defend and defend. And yeah. So my mind is always burned by that stingrays outfit but i think we're actually going to see a completely different whole team this weekend because yeah. they are an attacking side we saw it in the playoff finals Those of you who were in coventry last year um, just to let you know in advance the style of play hasn't changed it's going to be a real test for this outfit
1: yeah they are fast they're attacking um you know and they're clever you know sometimes you can just play a run and gun game which is quite a dumb game and it costs you. But they're clever because they know, all right, let's get as many as we can forward, but let's have an eye just in case we turn over on getting as many as we can back. And one thing they do have is they have the speed in their ranks as well that they can do that. And you think, yeah, we've got a breakaway. We've got an odd man rush. But you haven't because the, the their player has then caught you up. And it's it's an amazing attacking style of play that they play. And they play, I think, like, you know, if you were to... If you were to time all the skaters around the league on a lap of one ring, and, and like add them all together and average them, I think Hull would be right up there at the top. If you were to add them all together and average them, and I know what you're thinking right now as well, but you know what I'm saying is just the speed that's in their lineup. I'll just keep talking while Graham recomposes himself now. But um, the speed that's in their lineup means that they can. They can burn you offensively because they can probably get down the ice much quicker than you think, Um, you know, and
0: they – are you all right there? I'm just, I'm just imagining you running this at the moment. Because obviously, for those of you who don't know, Mark does the uh, DJing at Slough. And do, are you still allowed not to do laps around the no, rink no, in no, Slough? No, this has been to banned it's, now. No, it used it's, to be, it's
1: been banned under the terms of fun, I think.
0: <laughs> it used to be one of Mark's main things of the night was the big race around the rink. Individuals racing it out. And who, who's the guy who's got the record? Because this is actually an impressive Big Jim is very, big very gym.
1: fast, I have to say. Uh, we have a guy in Slough who skates <laughs> called Big Jim. Now, um, Big Jim is around about my age and we have all these, you know, like younger kids who are about 15, 16, 17, 18, all trying and, you know, not even getting within a second of him. So, you know, he's an impressive skater and I'd imagine, you know, like perhaps the whole Pirates might be looking if they're looking to recruit to get hold of Big Jim's number.
0: I uh, just—that's all I had visions of. Was you literally just at the playoff weekend this year, like almost yeah. like an episode of Superstars or something like that, or uh, Gladiators or something, just going right time on now. Let's send it round the clock. Bit well, an interesting I'd be interesting for that. It'd be an interesting be up race. For that. We
1: could have Steve Mare in his suit dancing <laughs> and cheerleading. <laughs> Oh, Steve uh, Murray Gra- in his you- suit skating That's <laughs> yeah, we could actually Steve Murray could take part in this uh, you know like I'll, I'll host it you commentate on it Scott can play some music for it and Steve Murray can lead the way
0: and we'll all just be very thankful that everybody turned up for it as well well so. obviously
1: we've got to be thankful haven't we thank you Graham
0: Thank you, Mark. No, as I say, uh, all joking aside, it is going to be a great game this weekend against Hull. But I'm actually looking forward to it. I really enjoyed commentating on them at the playoffs. They've got a lot of talent in their outfit. They've made a couple of changes. I think that David Norris guy who's came in last year, former teammate of Adam Gosses at Milton Keynes Lightning. Um, Certainly a quick little player skating around and he seems to be making a bit of an impact up there in... in, uh, Which bit are they? They're the Humber, aren't they? Humber side, aren't they, Hull, to get this right? But yeah, making a real impact on Humberside. It'll be interesting how they play. It'll be interesting how the bees match up to it, because I think they've got the potential to make this. A re- if they go out there and try and play Hull at their game, it could be interesting because at the end of the day, Telford Tigers are a very similar outfit to this whole team. Maybe a little bit more tight defensively uh, are the whole Pirates. Sorry, maybe a little more tight defensively are the Telford Tigers. Um, Mm. But Hull could just going to come in waves at the Bees and they're going to have to cope with it and they're going to have to deal with it.
1: Yeah. Now, I remember at Coventry, you asked me my player to watch and I went kind of a negative way, didn't I? Saying my player to watch for the Pirates was Ashley Smith. Because I did go a negative way saying, if he is lit up, then it's an easy win for the the phantoms in the final and we saw that the phantoms couldn't light him up because of how well they defended so you know there is there is that opportunity but it's whether or not you can get to that opportunity because of the defensive awareness that they have
0: yeah Indeed, and they've got a lot of talent at the back end, the likes of Kevin Phillips, like Josh Gent, etc. They are a very talented back end to obviously support Ashley Smith in net, Um, which almost makes it more of an intriguing prospect for this game because it's a one-game weekend for the Bees, so they should be fully rested up. It'll just be 60 minutes of intense effort. The Pirates will be on the bus. It's a long way down from Hull. Um, And it, it, it could be a real interesting game. It could be a real interesting battle to see how it plays out. Out and we'll we'll see how it goes i think it's fair to say. So bu- we were we were bus spotting
1: weren't we on our way up to Coventry. We were yes. looking for the bees bus and then we were thinking oh I wonder like what time the pirates bus will be arriving but yeah. no it is and it's they, a long journey as well they
0: both beat us there didn't they so yeah uh, that sort of says a lot about the commentary team but we made it? it in time we made it in time we were there that's the good news and we were just thankful to be there really thankful to in- be there. indeed
1: yes and it was all videoed well too
0: indeed it was all, all a wonderful event and uh, as it will be this sunday so mark if fans want to come to the game this sunday how can they get tickets
1: you can get tickets on the telephone 01344789000 is the number if you would like to book your tickets for this weekend, a Sunday game, so a 5.30 face-off. Tickets available in advance on that phone number 01344789000.
0: And how can fans stay up to date with all the latest you know going what? on? <laughs>
1: I've just done something that really, really, really annoys me when other people do it. Go on. I've just like the phone number o one three four four seven eight nine zero zero zero. It's either zero one three four four, or it's o one three four four seven eight nine oh oh oh. So I'm going to correct myself now because that's something I always berate other people for when they record adverts or whatever. (laughs) It really bugs me. It's one or the other. Oh, here we go. Here we go. If you're on social media, (laughs) then um, now that I've finished ranting at myself,
0: and I thought this was going to be a re-record over the top, ladies and gentlemen. Anyway, go on, Mark. On the social media. No, 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 no,
1: no, no, no. On the social media. uh, We're on Facebook at Bees Ice Hockey. We are on Twitter at Bees Ice Hockey. We're on Instagram at the Bracknell Bee. So there we go. i finished ranting now. I think I've informed you accurately on the phone number in many different ways, and on the social media as well.
0: Excellent stuff, Mark. Pleasure as ever. We've gone 45 minutes again. How do we do this? It's good, isn't it? (laughs) It's giving the fans what they want, and we really do appreciate all your support, all of you who join us on the Patreon account each and every week. We're really grateful for you joining us here on the podcast feed. We really enjoy your support. If you're not going to be at the game Sunday, don't forget to tune into the live feed. But until then, Mark, pleasure as ever. Thank you, Graham. Look after yourself. Oh, you're far too kind, Sarah. More importantly, to all you out there, look after yourselves as well. And until next time, goodbye. Bees Radio Network,
1: bracknellbees.com.